All right, welcome to another Monday edition of Hearts Home Half, hosted by yours truly, Austin Hart, and now presented by my boys over at Big Dog Media. You know where to find us on both Instagram and Twitter at Hearts Home Half and at Big Dog Media. Um, and really big news as well. If you are interested in reading up of any reading up on any of the Tampa Bay Rays articles that I'm now contributing for Fansided over at the Rays Colored Glasses site, uh, you can find that link in my Instagram or Twitter bio at AustinHart24 on both platforms. I'm really really excited to be a part of this Fansided family, and uh, me and all the writers over at the Rays Colored Glasses site. There's there's going to be so much great content coming out. So if you want to read up on any of that, definitely go check that out at the link in either of uh, my bios on Twitter or Instagram. Now, let's get into some sports talk. And, you know, before we get into baseball, the dog days of summer um, and how the Rays and the Marlins have been doing the past week since we haven't been talking about them since last Monday's episode. There is some football news that I want to get to because training camp uh, is now underway for all these teams here in Florida, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Miami Dolphins, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but specifically some pretty big news coming out of Tampa, some good news and some bad news, I would say. I'll start out with the bad news. Unfortunately, uh, as recently as I think two or three days ago, uh, the Bucks are expected to be without starting center Ryan Jensen for some period of time. Uh, he had a pretty serious knee injury, suffered in practice. He was carted off the field. Um, he was very explosive through his helmet. He was very, very frustrated um, that something had happened there at practice and definitely um, has rendered him out for a very very good period of time very unfortunate blow for the bucks and uh you know with a offensive line that's already pretty thin due to ali marpet's retirement alex kappa's signing with the Bengals, and now we're gonna have ryan jensen go down on the injured list for a very long time um you know this is just uh, it's it's it's, it's a little worrying, honestly, as Tampa Bay is starting to get into, um, you know, this this training camp and whatnot because, you know, I think Robert Hainsey, I believe, is the backup center that they're going to be trying to fit in there for Tom Brady. But, again, it's Tom Brady that we're going to have to protect the GOAT. We can't let him get pressured too much. We can't risk injury. And we have to give him ample time to be able to get that ball out to the amazing receivers that we have. One, including the Julio Jones. Yes, Julio Jones. That is the good news of the Bucks offseason right now. Uh, just a little bit before that Ryan Jensen injury had occurred, the Bucks added Julio Jones to their arsenal. A uh, very, very great veteran wide receiver. He used to be fantastic for the Falcons back in the day. And just last year, had a very, very down season over in Tennessee with the Titans. Just injuries kind of plagued him a lot last season and just wasn't able to really have that production on the field that the Titans were expecting in that one-year deal but I'm really really excited about this because I know that Julio Jones is kind of just I think he's been a real injury prone guy throughout his entire career and I understand it but he's super super talented and I think with all the talent that we already have 
on the offensive side. I mean, we already got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Cameron Brait, and Kyle Rudolph playing tight end. And then you have um, Russell Gage as the number three wide receiver. I mean, Julio Jones, I'm hoping, is just going to be there to kind of add some depth to this room, be there for the Bucks come playoff time when they're going to have to rotate these guys in and out and get fresh legs going. And probably the biggest of all, I think he's going to be a massive red zone threat. I mean, very, very big guy, great hands. And when they're getting down tight into the red zone, I mean, they're going to have to cover a lot of dudes down there. Mike Evans for a fade, Julio for a fade, Chris Godwin down and inside, or, you know, Leonard Fournette going out for a screen. I mean, there's so many different options you're going to have down there. So I think Julio is going to add that great, great red zone presence most of all. But some great news I wanted to share there from the Bucks. I know it was tough, obviously, having to lose the offensive lineman and um, Ryan Jensen, but having that new addition on the offensive side as well. Hopefully this is going to give Tom Brady a little bit of a boost as well. All right, now let's get into a little bit of some baseball talk going over the Rays and the Marlins past week. And I'm not going to lie, it's been rough for both of them. (laughs) I'll start out talking about the Rays. It has really not gotten any easier since uh, the Royals made them feel pretty bad coming out of the All-Star break. The struggling Kansas City Royals just traded away Andrew Benintendi and had gotten the better of the Rays last week. But uh, this, 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 this previous week as well, they lost three out of four games to the Orioles in Baltimore, and the one game that they did win was in extra innings. Uh, then they had to come home and lose another series to the Cleveland Guardians. So I'll kind of spare all the details of going you know, game by game of all these games, but I'll kind of just generally pick apart what's going on with these teams or, or with the Rays in both of these series. The bullpen's blowing games was really the story in the first four games against the Orioles. In a 5-3 loss in Game 2, the Orioles came back to win that game only after Shane McClanahan was pulled after 81 innings of beautiful baseball. Colin Poche comes in from the pen, gives up three runs instantly, and blows the game open for the Rays. Orioles win. The same even went for the extra innings game that the Rays were only lucky enough to win by a Randy Rosarena hit in the 10th inning. They only went to extras because shortly after... uh, No, no, no. Sorry. Yes, they only went to extra innings because they gave up a game-tying homer in the 9th. Like, are you kidding me? Couldn't have just hung on for the win and had to give the nine-hole hitter a bomb to tie up the game and at least give him a semblance of a chance to sweep us because that was the one game that the Rays actually won. So it was very, very frustrating because game four, you saw the bullpen give up two more runs uh, late in the late in the eighth, I believe, to put any comeback out of reach for the Rays because the hitting has been just as abysmal. I mean, Yandy Diaz seems like the only player that wants to hit for the Rays right now. He's producing a ton of offense pretty much by himself. I'll give him a ton of credit, but he's not really having a whole lot to show for it around him because nobody's able to hit him in. Nobody's able to consistently do anything behind him or in front of him. I mean, nobody's hitting when guys are getting on base. Nobody's bunting anymore to try and move runners over or get runners in. It's just really been a disappointing display to watch coming out of the break. And it's, it's almost as if it's been really lazy and lackadaisical on the offensive side. And that's that's really disappointing to see from a team that really needs to get it together despite having all of these players on the injured list. If they're still wanting to make the playoffs, 
the offense is going to be one of the biggest things that needs to come to life for this team right now in this second half. They don't have too much time left all this August, all this September, and then boom, those playoffs are coming in October. So this is the time to get it cracking. You know, the, the bullpen, it cleaned it up a little bit going into the series with the Guardians, and that's great for them, but the hitting woes, they just continued. The Rays were mowed down by Shane Bieber in Game 1. G-Man Choi, he provided the only run off of uh, Shane Bieber in the first inning, just from a single, and they couldn't do anything past that. The Rays were pretty much, I think, lucky again to win the series in Game 2 thanks to 10 strikeouts in 6 innings by Corey Kluber, a season high from that veteran. He was fantastic on the mound. And Brandon Lau, just Brandon Lau and Yandy Diaz both having some massive home runs. Um, just really, really great timing for the Rays, honestly, in that game. Game 3, though, it was, it was really another disappointment. It, um, but I couldn't say that the bullpen blew it. I couldn't really say that the offense blew it too much either. This L was kind of handed to Shane McClanahan, and it sucks to say that, but the ace just did not really have his best stuff. I think probably one of his worst starts of the season. He surrendered five runs in four and a third innings, and, I mean, he just did not look like he uh, He just didn't really look like himself, honestly. His pitch location wasn't sharp. I don't think his velocity was quite as there. I don't know. It just seemed like his confidence was a little rattled. But, uh, you know, hopefully he can use this this break now to refresh and come back on his next start looking like the uh, all-star game self that he should be. The Rays, though, I, they, they really just, I think, need to refresh a little bit. Rolling into August now. It's August 1st. They don't play tonight. They have a nice break. But they host the Toronto Blue Jays for a quick two-game series at home starting tomorrow at 7-10. So this is where the Rays are really going to need to get right against these Toronto Blue Jays. They're ahead of them in the division, the Blue Jays are. So this is the Rays' chance to be able to go up a couple games on them a little bit and uh, definitely put some pressure on them. As far as the Marlins go, it hasn't really... Uh, been real easy sledding for them either in this past week. I will say though they had a nice split series with the Reds in Cincinnati. That was fair. Um, but then they came home and they just got swept out of their shoes by the powerful Mets three games in a row. We'll go over all of that. Let's dive into it a little bit. Oddly enough, I will say about the Cincinnati series um, when, when the Marlins were up there facing the Reds, they won in games two and four. The Marlins did, and they were both of one. They were both one run victories, which I know we've talked about a lot on the pod. Something that they've needed to improve on in the year, and uh, really great for them to be able to get these two victories. The first being a low scoring game, they were able to edge out after Pablo Lopez hurled a marvelous seven inning game, two hit baseball. He had eleven strikeouts in the game. Looked absolutely fantastic, and the Marlins got him that win. The other came in a bit of a shootout, 7-6 to six was the final score. Um, as the Marlins, they, they had to battle offensively all game with Cincinnati and unfortunately had to account for their starting pitcher, Daniel Castano. He got hit in the head by a 104-mile-per-hour liner in the first inning. I really, really hope he's okay. That is one of the scariest plays in all of baseball. Um, that is, it's super frightening to have a liner come that quickly at your head. Trust me, I know I've gotten hit like that before. It is incredibly, incredibly scary. So I really, really hope Daniel is doing all right and uh, that he's able to make a speedy recovery. 
Unfortunately, though, the Marlins, their, their losses, they came by an offensive explosion by the Reds in Game 1 of the series. They scored 11 runs. That included Jonathan India, uh, former Gator great, hitting his first career grand slam for the Reds. So, uh, you know, I know we're talking about the Marlins, but props to him. Good, good for him. Gator great there, getting his first career grand slam. And in, uh, in Game 3, Luis Castillo, he pretty much just mowed down the Marlins. They didn't have anything going against him. Luis Castillo struck out 8 kept him down all afternoon and I believe that was the last game I think Luis Castillo pitched in a Reds uniform before he was traded over to the Seattle Mariners so good for Luis Castillo honestly to be able to end on a good note I will say with his uh with a teammate he's been tenured with for a pretty good amount of time so far um so then unfortunately as the Marlins are coming back home to host the division leading Mets uh things are gonna just kind of unravel from there Sandy Alcantara had arguably one of his worst starts of the season in Game 1. I mean, he just did not look great either. He gave up 8 hits, 3 walks, and 4 runs in just 5 innings of work. I mean, just not indicative at all of what the Big Ace has been doing so far this season. Um, Brandon Nimmo and Starling Marte pretty much just led the way for the Mets against Sandy and the Marlins bullpen. They put together all six RBI in between them in the 6-4 loss they handed the Marlins. Uh, in Game 2, the Marlins, they were just completely shut down yet again offensively. Uh, shut out in 4-0. Uh, to zero. Veteran Carlos Carrasco on the mound for the Mets. He went 7-2 and thirds. Gave up no runs. He struck out seven. I mean, he looked really, really good in a, in a in a great spot for the Mets. Just mowing down the Marlins yet again. They just didn't have anything going, and that offense just isn't able to have any spark to get them ignited. Game three, they got a couple runs. Well, a few, I guess, but it was a 9-3 beating. I mean, every Met in the lineup had a hit. Seven out of the nine had multiple hits, and three of the Mets players had three hits each. I mean, Pablo Lopez started this game and probably had his worst start of the season as well. He only went two and two-thirds, but he gave up 12 hits in the process along with six runs. I mean, yikes. Talk about a tough, tough start on that one. Yeah, he's just really going to need to flush it, forget about it, and get ready for the next start because, man, that is not one that you want to reminisce on. Sheesh. Uh, definitely a little bit of a rougher stretch of the road, that's for sure, for these Marlins. But I think they have a little little bit of a shot at redemption starting tonight. They're going to host the Reds again. Uh, well, they're going to play the Reds again, but now they're going to host them at home, and they're going to square off with them beginning at 640 so hopefully the Marlins can get right and be able to win this series against their National League opponent. So that's pretty much going to do it for this episode of Hearts Home Half. Thank you so much to everybody that was tuning in today on this Monday edition. I'm looking forward to another great Thursday edition later this week where we'll talk, I'm sure, some more baseball and hopefully some more football news as well. Really, really excited for that. And uh, hopefully we'll have some trades going on by this trade deadline in the MLB. supposed to be done by tomorrow at 6 p.m. I believe so hopefully we'll get maybe some trade action going and we'll be able to talk about that as well but until that next episode on Thursday I'm Austin Hart and I'll see you next time.